created Adam, he said, man, it's very good. Like, I did a good job making humanity. But then, as Adam and Eve falls, not only do Adam and Eve fall from their place of relationship with God and intimacy with God, immediately they're self-aware, they're insecure, they cover themselves and they hide from God. When Adam and Eve fell, the Bible teaches all of creation fell. And so creation has the brokenness of all that God has made contained within it, and ultimately God's goal is to redeem it all. What do you think about prayer? Do you think about prayer? Do you wonder what happens to those prayers you pray? Do they sometimes hit the ceiling and bounce back down, or does God even hear them? Well, today, Pastor Daniel is going to show you from the book of Revelation what actually happens to your prayers. You'll find the value that God places on prayers and what's going to happen to prayers when God's judging the earth. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 8 as he continues his message, Here Come the Trumpets. But it's always funny because I'll always be looking at the clock and it's like 6.55. And so normally at 6.55, I'll like hold my coffee and I realize that in five minutes... It's all going to break loose in my house. So literally, it's like I'm watching the thing go down. 6.59, I'm like, here we go. Right at 7 o'clock, you hear the door come flying open. It's morning. She's like a rooster, you know what I mean? She's like coming out. She's ready for the day, you know what I mean? And it's so sweet. But I remember thinking of the calm before the storm. I always think about that. Those few minutes before 7 o'clock, before my house erupts in happy chaos, And that's exactly what's going on here because Jesus opens the seal and there's like a hush of silence. Heaven is silent for about a half an hour. And then from there, then we find out that there are these seven angels who stand before God and to each of them were given the seven trumpets. So there's seven angels who are going to be bringing out these seven trumpet judgments. And then in the midst of all of that, Then there's another angel who's having a golden censer and he came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God and from the angel's hand. Now, there's so much in here and literally if I was doing like a super slow study of the book of Revelation, we could just spend our whole time now just exploring the fact that we find out there's an altar before God's throne in heaven and there's a golden censer up there because all of this points to the tabernacle and the temple. All of these things that you see in the tabernacle and temple, the worship tent until it became the temple under uh, Solomon, All of this is a picture of stuff that was in heaven. So sometimes you're like, well, why does God have them making this thing and the brazen altar? And why are they making the table of showbread and all these things? If you read the book of Exodus and you see this stuff going on and you read through the Old Testament, all of it's a picture of stuff that's in heaven. And I could spend time, like, and believe me, I could bore you with geeking out on what this all is. But really what you find is that God wanted the people to have a little taste of heaven. And that's why he gave us the tabernacle and the temple. And ultimately Jesus said that I am the temple. 
So don't ever miss the fact, as we were singing earlier, that we're waking up to heaven. It's like, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God chose to bring heaven down to us so that our lives on this side of eternity would be a taste of heaven. And so oftentimes what God is hoping to do in your life, what God is desiring to do in each one of our lives, is he's desiring to do a work where we don't just live temporal, temporary, earthbound lives, but our lives take on this beautiful quality of the things of heaven. That's why we should set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 3. That Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we should set our hearts on heavenly things. And that's really the purpose of the Spirit of God. And what God is inviting each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, into is to get our eyes not focused only on the earthbound things, but on the heavenly things. Because God wants to lift us up. He wants to lead each one of us higher than we are apt to left to our own devices. And so you have this angel and he's got this censer and he stood before the altar and he was given much incense. And what's beautiful is every time I read this about the incense, that it should be offered it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar. I love that. That anytime you think of incense, the fragrance rising up in the book of Revelation, it's always married to this idea of your prayers. And of course, Psalm 141 verse two says it this way. Let my prayer be set before you as incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, you want your life to be a house of prayer. Because when you think about incense, it was meant to be a sweet-smelling fragrance to God. And when we pray, God receives it as a gift that blesses him. Brothers and sisters, we need to be people of prayer. You need your life to be rooted in prayer. It's one of the things in this year of Revelation, God has just been stirring our heart as a church family. We need more prayer. Like I was a little bit before each gathering, you know, we have our pre-service prayer and it's a beautiful time. It's literally my favorite time on Sundays. It's praying with the men and women here at Crossroads before service. You're all invited. Come at 8.15. It's not too early. It's a great time. And when you pray, you walk away, you're like, oh, this is so good. Listen, I want to encourage all of you. Make your houses houses of prayer. If you're married, grab your spouse, pray. If you have kids, pray for them. I mean, I just think about it. I got prayed twice before I even left my house. I got prayed on by two girls in my family. You know what I mean? I prayed before I even got to talk to anybody. I was talking to the Lord. Then I get here, get prayed for them in the family. I'm like praying for people. Listen, let your homes be places of prayer. Make space for that. I'm not saying you have to have like marathon prayers. I mean, marathon prayers are good, but if you ever read Jesus' prayers, you can read any one of Jesus' prayers in less than about 15 seconds. Jesus wasn't verbose. He got right to the point, right? So it doesn't have to be long prayers, marathon prayers. Jesus actually said that actually our prayers aren't heard because of our many words. So it doesn't have to be long and involved, but it's about centering our lives around the Lord. And our prayers are seen by God as incense, So this angel, he's like offering this incense, but really what he's doing is he's offering your prayers before God, the prayers of the saints. That's how God sees our prayers. And what's amazing is, is then the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire from the altar and he threw it to the earth, it says in verse five, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So really what you have is that 
the seventh seal first begins with silence and then ends with this angel throwing this sensor of fire to the earth and then there's this upheaval in the natural world. And what's amazing is, is like I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how it's so important to remember and have perspective on our lives. Because I try and imagine like if I was standing in the crossroads pulpit when this angel throws this sensor to the earth and there's this extraordinary cataclysmic happenings. I mean, like you think about there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Like that's a pretty bad day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I was flying just last week and I was flying across the country and we hit this point when I was flying and it was like, I'm looking out the window and all I'm seeing is lightning. It's just lightning everywhere. You know what I mean? And it was pretty far away. And I'm just like, this is horrifying. And then they start getting like existential on the thing where I'm like, I'm in this metal tube. And I was raised that if there's lightning, like get out of the water, don't hold up like a metal pipe. I was like, this is not smart, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's wet out here. Cause there's, you know, and there's, and I'm flying on this metal thing and there's lightning literally. It's like the whole sky. I wasn't even smart enough to grab my phone to try and take pictures of it. Cause I was just like blown away. And I'm like, this is scary. And then I think about this kind of stuff. But now we start these trumpet judgments. We have these seven angels with the seven trumpets. Now, just one quick note, and we'll keep moving here. You know I love music. And just a couple weeks ago, I was kind of giving my parents a hard time for their easy listening. Any of you had parents who liked easy listening? Yeah, any of you like easy listening? Good, just so you know, your, parents, your kids don't like it, but it's, so cool. it's cool, you like it. And I was thinking about the seven trumpets, and I always put, when I hear trumpets, I always think about my, all my jazz favorite trumpeters, but then I was thinking about how cool it was, my first experience with the trumpet, it was actually technically a flugelhorn, but I didn't know the difference. Good old easy listening. How many of you guys remember Chuck Mangione, It Feels So Good? Yeah, that was on heavy rotation when I was a kid. It was like Barry Manilow, Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson, or Christopher Cross, and then Feels So Good. You remember that song? Da, 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 da. You guys don't know that song? It's, and not the long version. He's got the jazz version. I was looking for it on like the music things. There's like the nine-minute jazz guy version, which I never heard before. I heard like the easy listening version. There's great bass playing on I think Abe Laboreal, Believer in the Lord, great bass player. He plays bass on that. Got a little disco section. And I was just thinking, like, that's the first trumpet for me, like, like Chuck Mangione, and that led into Miles Davis and Freddie Hubbard, and now I really like these trumpet players who they, they make their trumpets sound like duck calls, and they talk through the trumpet, and very cool. We can, I could be DJ later. But now we start with the trumpet judgment, so look at what happens. In verse 7, it says, the first angel sounded... Sorry. And hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all grass was burned up. And then verse 8, and then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So in the first two trumpet judgments, what we find here is that the vegetation and seas are struck. So we have the vegetation and we have the seas are struck. Now, what's interesting here is you notice in the seventh seal, you have the sensor, it's got fire in it. And now you notice it says, when this first angel sounded, hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. So this is not normal hail. 
but there's a lot coming down right now. And really what's being struck is the vegetation because we learn it's thrown to the earth and a third of the trees are burned up and the green grass was burned up. Now, what's interesting is a lot of this, there's overtones, and all through these judgments, we're going to keep referring back to the plagues of Egypt because we see there's a lot of overlap with how God judged Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and it's the same thing. So in the seventh plague of Egypt, this is Exodus chapter 9, verses 22 to 26, we have the same thing happening. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail on the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord set thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground. So you see this idea of the hail is really mingled with lightning and some sort of fire. And then the hail goes through all the land of Egypt, and we find that the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. And what's interesting is only in the land of Goshen, it tells us, where the children of Israel were, were there no hail. And you have the same thing now with this first trumpet judgment, you have the vegetation is being struck and ultimately we find a third of the trees are burned up and all the green grass. And so you think about, I mean, you you know, I hate talking about this, but we all live in the real world. When I'm sharing this message right now, it's the depth of summer and we're starting to see reports of, you know, the dryness and the wildfires. And remember a bunch of years ago when we had that awful fire in the gorge, how it impacted us, even though it was something that happened at a decent distance from where we live. And so you just try and imagine what will happen at a point when a third of the trees are burned. The tremendous and negative impact that that would have. And so the first trumpet, the vegetation is struck. And then on the second trumpet sound, it says, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures of the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So now you have something that looked like a mountain. It's full with fire. It hits the oceans and it causes the oceans to turn to blood and it causes a third of all the living creatures to die and a third of the, the ships in the sea are destroyed. And so here again, you get in Exodus chapter 7, verses 17 and 18, where you get the stuff turning into blood. And thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am The Lord, behold, I strike the waters which are in the river and with the rod of my hand and they shall be turned to blood and the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink the waters of the river. So you have this reality now where nature is being heavily impacted by what's going on. And what's interesting is by the time we get to the second bowl judgment of Revelation chapter 16, verse 3, it kind of completes the job here. It says, then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died. So it's amazing. In the second trumpet judgment, you get a third of the living creatures are dead. And then by the second bowl judgment, everything dies in in the ocean. It's tough, isn't it? So right here, like, remember I started by saying, listen, the only way to understand what God is doing here is to look at what God has done in totality. So it shows how important Jesus is to us. Because if all you do is get this picture of God, then you're like, man, God is so mean. I mean, is like God's got anger management issues. Like, why would God do this? I love going to the aquarium. Like, it's just beautiful. Or if you ever snorkeled in a place with a coral reef, it's gorgeous. Why would God do this? But what we realize is, according to the biblical teaching, when God created everything, he said it's good. All of creation is good. And when God created Adam, he said, man, it's very good. Like, I did a good job making humanity. 
But then as Adam and Eve falls, not only do Adam and Eve fall from their place of relationship with God and intimacy with God, immediately they're self-aware, they're insecure, they cover themselves and they hide from God. When Adam and Eve fell, the Bible teaches all of creation fell. And so creation has the brokenness of all that God has made contained within it. And ultimately God's goal is to redeem it all to bring something new, to do a brand new work. And by the time we get to the end of the book of Revelation, we're going to see that. God's going to bring in a new heaven and a new earth. And what we have to remember is that the earth and all that God has created testifies of God's glory. They show us who he is. It's a general revelation of who God is, but it still bears the warpness of sin, the reality of sin. When I start talking like this, I realize like, we're like, wait, hold on a second. Like, so it's good, but it's worked by sin. And we have to learn how to hold the tension that God's word tells us about creation, all that's he created, and you and I. Like, I always like to tell people that it's hard for people to deal with each other because we know that we're all flawed by sin, all of us. All of us have a warping, but we're all still created in the image and likeness of God. And we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. So at the same time, look around for a second. Look at each other. Go ahead, make a face at each other. Go ahead. It could be a happy face, too. You don't have to always stick your tongue out, you meanies. No, I'm just kidding. I say make a face. I'm just like, you know. But, but here's the deal. The person that you just looked at is simultaneously an image bearer of God and also completely warped by sin. And that's not only true when you do that at people in church. Like, when you go out into our community, everyone you meet is fearfully and wonderfully made and sustained by God, an image bearer, but also warped by sin. So what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency not to want to hold that reality in tension, but we want to focus on one side or the other. So we're like, everyone's so wonderful. But then you live in the real world, like, man, you can't be that naive. People aren't wonderful. People are treacherous. Or people are, everyone's horrible. They all deserve hell. And it's like, well, yeah, but they're also image bearers of God and, 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 ability, and they're able to be redeemed. That's not only true about humans, that's true about Jesus because Jesus is what? Fully God and what? Fully man. Don't think for one second Jesus is like 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God and 100% man. Like, how is it possible? With God, it's possible. And if all you do is focus on Jesus' humanity, you're like, man, I could do everything that Jesus did because Jesus is human. It's like, yeah, but he is God in flesh. And if all you do is say he's God, then you never think that he should be the example of who I follow because he's God and I can never do it because I'm not God. We have to hold him to intention. And in the same way, when you look at creation, when you look at all the created order, you should be in awe of what God has made. And you should remember, this is actually all temporary too. Because it's good what God made, but it also has the impact of the fall of everything upon it. And God is not just being capriciously angry, so to speak, but because of the marks of the fall on creation, creation is broken too. And God's plan is always to bring resurrection through death. It doesn't make it any easier, but that's what's happening here, and we're seeing it. Now look what happens next, because it doesn't just end there. We only hit the second trumpet. Look at the third trumpet. This is uh, in verse 10. It says, then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven. Look what it says. Burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water, and the name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And then the fourth trumpet, it says, Then the fourth angel sounded, verse 12, 
And a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet and the three angels who are about to sound. So what do we learn here? In the third and fourth trumpet judgments, the waters and the sky are struck. Right? So now you're moving from kind of the salt water to the fresh water. That's what's really going on here. And what's interesting is by the time you get to the third bowl judgment, this is in Revelation chapter 16, verse 4, the rest of the natural waters in the springs are going to be made blood. It's going to be a huge problem. And so it begins again. Now it looks like not a mountain burning with fire, but now you have like what looks like a star, it says. It fell from heaven. It's burning like a torch. It falls on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Now it says that its name is, the name of the star is Wormwood. Now here's what I'm going to tell you. If you study the book of Revelation, you've heard a whole bunch of fancy interpretations of what Wormwood is. And I'm here to tell you, that's just great creativity. So it's what it is. Wonderful creativity. Listen, I like creativity like the next person. I like weird art and everything, and I like creative writing, and so I'm all good with creativity, but it's just bad Bible interpretation, okay? What is wormwood? Anyone know what it is? I don't know. It just says it's wormwood. And so making some sort of big thing about what wormwood actually is is kind of crazy. I know the word wormwood literally means bitterness, and some people say, well, it was a type of plant. I had a fungus contained in it. I read all these different things, and I've, there's like 10,000 of them. So whatever would I say if someone say, okay, it's wormwood. What does it mean? Don't know. All we know is what it does, that this star takes a third of the rivers and the waters, and it ruins it so that people die from drinking what they would think to be clean water. So it poisons the water. Anybody remember the whole story of the prophet Elisha where there's death in the pot? Remember we studied that? I made a good reference about pot marijuana. It actually wasn't about that, but there is death in the pot, peoples. Just a good reminder. You see how I did that, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. I hope you're following along in your Bibles. But what you have now is that the fresh water supply gets poisoned by this star that's burning with fire that falls from heaven, and a third of the waters get poisoned. And it becomes a huge problem. And then when the fourth trumpet is struck, what we really find next is that the sun was struck, a third of the sun, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine. So now you have the celestial bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, and now we have a limiting of light during the day. Now, again, this happened in the book of Exodus, In the plagues there, this is Exodus chapter 10, verses uh, 21 to 23, where, of course, you have this idea of he reaches his hand towards heaven, there's darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that could be felt. So not just physical darkness, but a darkness that actually people could feel the darkness. And, of course, Jesus said this. This is Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give his light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Wow, this is some crazy stuff that Pastor Daniel's been talking about, right? All of these things that God's going to be doing to the planet, it's pretty scary to read about. 
But one of the things that Pastor Daniel has been trying to make clear is that even while these things are happening, God is still calling out to mankind to get them to turn from their evil ways to follow him, just like he's doing today to the lost people around you. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will continue to share from the book of Revelation. Next time, you'll get a chance to hear about demon scorpion locusts. While that might sound like the latest horror movie, it's actually in Revelation chapter 9. And it's one of the trumpet judgments that Pastor Daniel is going to be sharing next time. So come on by, be sure to have your Bible ready so you can read along. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.